Well, wisdom. Wisdom, something that is historically, I think, associated with being dispensed on porches uh, <laughs> across the fair land. Uh, usually with a picture of like your grandpa rocking in his probably handmade stick chair and uh, maybe a little glass of lemonade or something. And uh, in like between, yeah, in between <laughs> spitting tobacco, he's spitting uh, truth, you know. So I don't know if uh, here, as you've joined us on Bombadil's porch, you will hear wisdom, but we are going to discuss it as I'm joined once again by Caleb Clance mm. and Nate Larmore, uh, three Christian dads trying to uh, understand and appreciate and walk wisely in this world. But we've got two um, out of the three topics we've considered discussing today that I think touch on the, the subject of wisdom, one at kind of a, a personal level and one at a global level. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe we, we'll start first with a conversation around mm-hmm. uh, barbecue, I believe it was. Barbecue? Was it barbecue or where was, what restaurant was that? In which Texas you were, Roadhouse, uh, okay. not really barbecue. Texas Roadhouse. You know, for for our listeners, we we've just had at least a forty five minute conversation yep. about a million things. We were curious which Chris would pick <laughs> in his opener. Yes. We didn't yep. know. Uh, yes, but, yeah, that was. Yeah. Uh, so, but in, you were talking to your children about right. uh, how to make some wise decisions, and then that also had piggybacked off of some conversations you've had recently in the business world, where you've run into people that you would consider to be wise. Yeah, well, where, so, to start? Yeah. Where, to where to start? Where to start? I think I'll start with those delicious rolls that they have at Texas Roadhouse. They're <laughs> oh, yeah? getting smaller, by the way. I hadn't been in a while. Those big fluffy rolls, they're shrinking. Mm. <laughs> the free ones? <laughs> gotcha. Uh, the reason I got rolls on the brain is because I was using those to kind of illustrate with the kids what we were talking about. I think I was using rolls. Mm-hmm. I think I was using a glass of Diet Coke mm-hmm. um, and maybe a salt shaker at one point. But um, in our house, there's uh, the the we're at an age now where there's the question of college. Sure. And because Katie, in particular, is kind of a brainiac, she's been worried about college since middle school. Yale or uh, Harvard? Yale or Harvard? <laughs> well, you know, I'm all in favor of whatever's free myself, but uh, uh, she she's been stressed about it at times, and um, even at times when she was in middle school, we're like you know, it's just chill. It's cool. It's going to be fine. Relax. You're a kid. There are some things to enjoy about being a kid. However, you do need to think about these things and prepare a little bit, you know, within reason. Because if you don't pick the right college, you're going to ruin the rest of your life. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, wait. Uh, Well, I have a view on this (laughs) that I'm sure is a minority view, which is Mm. okay. I'm I'm pleased to to try to defend it. We're all about diversity here on the porch. If you're going to go to college, there are really only 50 colleges in the world that actually matter. <laughs> Define matter. By that, I mean that it's on your resume and people any, anywhere will say, oh, we should interview that, that girl. Okay. So uh, there are 50 colleges you can trade a degree in for something of monetary value. At least get an interview. So okay. if the purpose- That's not necessarily 50 that you, that you will get educated at. Hmm. Well, but 50 that look good on a resume. Yeah. And, and the good ones, you get both. So, okay. so um, that, that, that first, that, that kind of sets the stage. Okay. Um, by the way, I did not, at, well, in my undergrad, I did not attend one of those 50. So, um, so I, I wasn't able to practice what I preach at that time, but the, the, the fact is there are certain schools that are absolutely a premium if you pay to go without scholarship or something. 
And there are those schools are the ones that if you're going to go to an expensive school, you go there. There are a lot of expensive schools, many of which no one's heard of outside of a hundred or 200 mile radius of, of that mm-hmm. school. And so that, that's kind of the, the, the baseline for, for at least my opinion for the conversations that happened in the okay. house. So uh, with that said, the, the broader question is, okay, let's say you can't go to one of those 50. You can't go to, and actually the list just came out. Um, the world's top colleges, by the way, you dub 17 on the list. Kudos to you. I'm trying to decide if that speaks well of you, Dub, or if that just speaks ill of the fate of the planet. Uh, it speaks well <laughs> of you, Dub. They're, okay, they're um, pretty impressive, and it's not you, Dub, as a whole. There's certain departments, but okay. Um, but the, again, another that'd be one of those schools that if you go, it actually carries some weight, some gravitas. Okay, on, um, when you go 17. into the work world, again, my my fundament, my foundation for all of this is the purpose of college is to get a good job. <laughs> um, that is the entire purpose of it, uh, at least as we understand it in the modern age. I would, ag- I would agree with the last thing you said, <laughs> but, but, but you can't, you can't. And, uh, and I would say that's also what's wrong with college today, but it, go ahead. But, but that is, that has been a reality for a hundred years. So if you have, it, to is go a re- any, it is a reality, if you have to go any and further than that, you're, you're out of date, but, uh, yeah. the, but that's the basis for it. So then the question becomes, if you're going to invest and it's not just the money to go, there is a, a an income deferral decision in all of this too. Mm-hmm. Like you could go into the trades and do quite well for yourself. Yep. You begin to make money, begin to make money right away. In fact, some of these vocational trades are also will will you can go around the world with these. They're very mm-hmm. transportable. Um, and this could be anything from plumbing and electrical to a variety of other specialized trades. Sure. And so you have to take that into account with your decision to go to college is uh, what career do I want to go into? There are a few careers, by the way, that college is essential. And as a result, you're kind of forced to make the investment. Um, but all this to say back to back to the, the roles at Texas Roadhouse. I think Nita brought it up and she said, hey, the kids have been tattling on you that all you talk about is the military. I said, that is not true. I don't talk about the military at all. I don't even talk about college all that much. And then Katie says, yeah, yeah. But when college comes up, you can talk about the academies. And, uh, and I say, well, first of all, if you can get into the academies, it's free. So what parent wouldn't be into that, right? The other thing is they are the equivalent of Ivy League. So they have name recognition. Not that Ivy League is important in of itself, but they have name recognition. Also, if you look at the profiles of the Fortune 500 and you look at their executive teams, it's incredible how many of them went to military academies. So we get into this whole question. So um, also, if you do go into the service and you retire, um, you get preferential hiring from a variety of other federal, na- uh, national, and municipal governments because you're a veteran. So you retire, you have one pension, you go into another government work, and after 40 years, now you have two pensions. It, these are all the boring details that the kids are tired of hearing about whenever we talk about mm-hmm. career choices. However, back to why does why does the military... Um, and, but, and the other thing, too, people are like, oh, I don't want to get shot at. It's like, you know how few people in the military get shot at? The for for every and this is an old stat for every soldier that is in harm's way, there's nine that um, are happy to support them while they're in harm's way. Right. Logistics, uh, especially with the way modern modern cyber warfare is going. Those people are sitting in an office building in Reno, Nevada. So um, anyway, this whole conversation is going on. But as we get down to the nitty gritty, it was like, well, why is why is it? I said not to mention the military. 
when an empire is in decline is one of the last areas of, of fairly certain reliable income. Hmm. And that begged the question, what empire? The American empire. We don't like to say that because the word empire has become a bad word. The word imperial has become a bad word, although they had the coolest uniforms in Star Wars. Love the empire <laughs> um, and the music. They had the best music, uh, thanks to Mr. Williams. But going back to it as an empire in decline, and by decline, it doesn't mean that we're necessarily falling apart, but we are retreating. That does seem to be the theme of the age, retreat. Uh, the, our Navy, in particular, is essential for our interests. So if you look at the Navy, Air Force is great. Don't get me wrong. It's probably the best the, the best branch to join if you're going to join. It's kind of like going to work for a Fortune 500 um, in many ways. But uh, the Navy in particular is essential for global trade. And that's kind of where we got in this whole global thing and wisdom. <laughs> so I, I don't want to, I think this stuff is delightfully fascinating. I, I, I Probably not everyone else does. Uh, but the, the point being for our kids, I'd love to get you guys' perspectives on this too, as they get closer and closer to making decisions about what kind of work they might want to do, that should influence what kind of educational investments that they'll need to make. Um, how do you guys go about kind of even, Chris, your kids aren't quite my kid's age. And Caleb, your kids are... All around the full range. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're both they're both older than your kids and younger than Chris's. Yes. So <laughs> yes. You, yes, you and Linda have taken what is it Genesis one twenty six through twenty eight very literally. You know, be fruitful, right. multiply. That's great. Praise the Lord say for add. that. <laughs> Said multiply. No, uh, once we started yeah. having multiples at the same time, we did stop. <laughs> so yeah. now this is all to say there's a lot of different skill sets, mentalities, mm-hmm. and um, and it. You know, Nate's opinion is not worth mm-hmm. a whole lot. It's worth two cents. To my kids, it's worth a little bit more. But um, but how do you go about trying to provide parental wisdom about where you, because you see there, in our case, you, you you get to know your kids obviously very well. Mm-hmm. You see certain giftings and interests. And um, on the other hand, uh, you also see the realities of the world as mm-hmm. you understand mm-hmm. them. And you try to provide counsel without, you know, being domineering you must do this how do you guys mm-hmm. go about that yeah, actually, um, yeah since you've got um yeah i mean I, we our kids have gone a, a variety of different ways and a couple of them listen to the porch so i gotta be careful what i say i'm reminded on occasion uh when one of them goes <laughs> i can't believe you said x on the porch and i'm like oh um but uh yeah i mean i you know i have a bible school degree but i'm i'm from one of the top 50 Bible schools. Yeah, yes, definitely. There you go. Probably not. Uh, I mean, depends who's making the list, but uh, it's, 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 it, well, yeah, it's a good Bible school um, in that, you know, the study of God's word is is the central focus there. There's not a lot of other stuff going on. It's mainly just studying God's word, maybe a little mm-hmm. bit of Greek and a little bit of that, a little bit of choir, you know, some of those, choir. some of those, some of those other things, you know, some, <laughs> definitely some missions was involved, but no, some I, Greek choir. Yeah, I guess, you know, I, and part of it is just working hard and I, you know, I was able to manage, you know, I managed, I was able, but I managed um, a couple of different furniture stores uh, for the same owner, but a couple of different times. Um, and so I've been in management and things like that. But that's something that I worked into, right? Um, through hard work, uh, through, through, so I've, I've always taught my kids, you know, first thing is whatever you're going to do, work hard. And for us, the second thing was, you know, we coming out of the mission field and whatnot, not having a lot of funds, 
uh, ever on the mission field. And then now I have a lot of funds when we got back with a large family. It's like, man, if you want to go to college, get good grades, you know, yes. like apply yourself, get good grades and work on getting scholarships because, you know, you don't want to take out tons of student loans and end up, you know, owing before you even get started, um, if at all possible. And so, I mean, those are kind of the, you know, the, it, it's partly situational, but you know, you don't have to have a college degree to, uh, to have a great job and to have a very full life and to have a great big family and, uh, you know, to own a house and some of those things, you know, um, but you do need to apply yourself at whatever you do. And I think that's kind of the been always the more important thing is, is teaching our kids, whatever it is that God is, however he's wired you, you know, they're all a little different. Um, most of them have, have really done well at, at, at school. So that's been, you know, that's been a blessing. Part of that for the older ones was coming out of a, an Italian school system and coming mm-hmm. back to basically an American school system, which was, you know, at least for the older two, basically, you know, yeah, a walk, you. <laughs> a walk in the park. Well, I mean, really, yeah, we had, we had a, we had a friend visit us in Italy that was looking through uh, Aiden's um, uh, high school work not high school work, middle school work, uh, like the texts and stuff that he had to go use. And, and the guy goes, this does the stuff I'm doing in, in, in university. And, uh, you know, and it's now the, the, the learning style was not great for some of them just because it was like memorization, 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 right? There's no real like practical theory. It's all just memorize, 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 you know, and, uh, you know, so that doesn't always work real well. So the grades were not great always in Italy. Grades were fantastic in the U.S. So, <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I don't know. So, I mean, I think that's considering colleges, universities, uh, career paths. Uh, yeah, it's a kids different. Each kids individual. Um, but hard work. Hard work is, is, is universal, so right? So, yeah. and uh, yeah, I mean, if you can get scholarships, that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, boy, is that is that good advice for our younger listeners? Outwork everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it doesn't take a high IQ to outwork people. That is so true. Yeah, and you can at a very young age end up end up uh, managing businesses and being given, you know, a, a lot of uh, responsibility and and even even you know financially lucrative positions without having to uh, mm-hmm. without having to have had a, a degree. Now, obviously, you're not going to be a doctor if you don't go to school, or, or uh, you know, there are some things you're going to have to go to school for. So, yeah. uh, otherwise, at least people won't come to your practice. So. Doctors, doctors you, lawyers, dentists, uh, teachers, psychologists. There's certain fields like you have to go to school. Yeah. I think I might have just listed all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Anyway, I don't know. I don't know if that answers the question, no, really. But I think it's, uh, you know, I think yeah. it's. Uh, mm-hmm. It also touches on what you understand. Uh, what What are your goals? Uh, and how do you rank them for, for your family, for your children? If, if you want, if you have your eye on fortune 500 companies, for example, there's a, there's a game, right? I mean, the, you, you can, like you said, you can, you can pull up all their names and you can say, okay, 98% of these people have three or four variables in common. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if you want to play that game, uh, try to get those variables in your curricula vitae. What would you say they are? <clears throat> uh, I think... For a lot of them, it is uh, in particular that they've come from a particular educational background with the name recognition that gets the doors open. Um, Then depending on which industry you're in, 
uh, there's there's certain kinds of experience that are that is expected, uh, whether that's experience in the military or whether leadership, it's, yeah, some kind organization. of organization, right? Yeah. Um, or or the or the political sphere. There's a there's a route there as well where you you get to a certain level of political influence and then you go sideways into uh, certain branches of of the corporate world. Um, some of it gets even just goofy as far as getting into the right handful of zip codes where you're going to rub shoulders with the right people, I think, mm-hmm. in a lot of cases. Yeah, definitely um, true. So I think there there are some of those factors, and, and you can know that and play that to your advantage. Uh, there are certain industries that are resistant to that, like the tech world. Um, you can get into the tech world without any of that. And you can lead the tech world without any of that. There's the middle, I think, the upper level management world <laughs> that is still yeah. often filled with people that have the, the more traditional uh, background. But um, that that all asks the question, then where does, uh, particularly for students coming into those college years, where does that come into, into their calculation? I think for our, our family, you know, my my greatest concern for my children is their formation as a mature person. Amen. Uh, and, and historically, if you go back far enough, college was meant to be a part of that. <laughs> you know, it, how far back do you have to go? You, you go, you go back a ways, <laughs> but if you think about where all of our Ivy league schools started, yeah, that's, you can go back there, for example, and where they were for a couple generations for most of them, at least some of them made it only one generation, but for most of them, for several generations, at least a couple uh, that was their number one goal was send us that your best and your brightest uh, and and we will equip them to be the kind of people to be the backbone of this nation. To lead nations. To that's lead right. nations. That's yeah. Right. Whether that's as pastors, which they understood to be a key Definitely. part of leading the nation or whether yeah. it was as politicians, et cetera. And um, I do think that it is a, a significant net loss that that it, that is no longer the primary function that many of those universities have today, I think mm-hmm. you can argue that the product that they're selling is that we can help you get a good job, right? Uh, that's that's a big part of why people pay the big bucks to go there. And then the product they're providing is largely uh, godless indoctrination. <laughs> and uh, yeah. yeah, in many in many places, I think there are there are certain departments and there are certain yeah. institutions that have been a lot more resistant to that. And the I'm, hard I'm, sciences laugh at the make the make believe sciences in, in historically, these, even in these schools, even now they're right. like, that's not science historically, yeah. but just read about some of the movements in academia to decolonialize mathematics. And you'll realize the hard sciences are getting soft around the edges. It'll, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, it won't survive right. if, it, if they embrace, that's for do sure. Do not drive on their bridges, do not get in their rocket exactly. ships. But, Gravity uh, doesn't change depending on <laughs> yes. how you, what your gender identity right. of the day is. But the, the, the trajectory, the, the momentum is certainly not in the direction of those institutions providing the kind of moral fiber and character to, to build and lead nations yeah. anymore as a trajectory, yeah. it has to not, come from not us. to disparage every institution. Yeah. And so for, for my children, I, I want to, I want to make sure that they uh, reach a level of, of individual maturity, that they understand what is the reason for God having made man for having put him on this planet, uh, how does that look in in regards to the the basic function that humanity was meant to to play? Where does the fall fit into that? Where does the gospel fit into that? And based off of all those those things, 
Um, now mix that with your unique wiring. Mm-hmm. And as you delight yourself in the Lord, what are the desires of your heart that he's giving you? And, and, and that's where the, the wisdom factor comes in, which is interesting because yeah. there may be three, three jobs or three occupations that they have interest in. And like you said, you could, you might be able to read the tea leaves and say, uh, okay, you want to go work for this mining company. Turns out they just released a report last week that said they've just hit the end of their last vein. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's like, let's uh, look at the other two more, more seriously. Right. Um, but there's a lot, there's a lot worse things than than working a job that will never get noticed by a fortune 500 company and Mm. doing so with all your heart uh, and living a life of joy and usefulness Mm -hmm. to the Lord. Um, And not doing that as the, the settling of mediocrity or of laziness, but because that's what is in your, your heart to do Mm. and you do it well. Can I add to that? Yeah. You probably should not go spend $250,000 on a college degree that to do that. There are the top thousand schools that all cost roughly the same. And mm-hmm. a lot of private liberal arts schools sure. are extremely expensive. Yeah. I think, I think you do. How does that calculus factor in? Like, the, like you can go to, um, yeah. I, I've got relatives that are going to local schools and mm-hmm. and some of those schools are rather inexpensive and perfectly appropriate for what they're trying to achieve. Right. Sure. So does that factor in at all? Absolutely. In in those choices, right? That's where wisdom principles kick in. Because it can also be vanity and pride that motivates you to go to that elite school and spend all that money. Um, It's it's a massive investment. And so what are you getting out of that investment? And if it's a necessary tool to you doing what you think God has called you to do, then the math may make sense. If it is just what's expected of me, I think, because I want to be a good person according to some standard that I can't clearly articulate, uh, uh, then yeah. enjoy paying back that folly for the rest of your life. Unless someone forgives your loans. Uh, but that's a different subject. <laughs> that is a different subject, but that's also where we're at is uh, mm-hmm. so many have gone down that route unthinkingly and without comprehending what a contract means well, and what yeah. the math actually means. Um, that now that has become a political uh, football that, that gets <laughs> kicked around uh, to buy votes. I think, let me ask you guys, did you bo- both grow up in a, in a mindset in your schooling where college was a foregone conclusion without, without thought of what you might be gifted for, mm-hmm. what you, what you might enjoy doing, um, <laughs> I, I mean, I grew up in that, mm-hmm. and I don't mean at home. I'm talking yeah. scholastically. That was the mm-hmm. vibe. More school is always better. Um, I don't think my parents really actually had a preference one way or another. Yeah, I, I can. I mean, speaking for me, I, I would say that um, I was homeschooled for a, a significant portion of my education, and uh, college was always viewed as a desirable thing, not a necessary but desirable thing. Uh, my father's been a very successful computer programmer. Uh, with, he had an AA degree, uh, in, in a different field that he then, uh, built a different career on top of, uh, yeah. through some shrewdness. Uh, my mother has been to, to college and, uh, in Southern California. So you we were kind of a mixed household there from educational background. Uh, the high school I went to certainly saw college as, as the ideal, uh, so I, I would say I was probably 70, uh, 75% lean towards you should go to college unless there's a real compelling reason not to. Mm-hmm. Caleb, what about you? Yeah, I'm trying, trying to think. I mean, I think that 
in the school, at least in the high school years back here in, in Spokane, Washington. But uh, my, uh, I would say that probably the, at the school on the scholastic level, yeah, the, the expectation really was everyone goes to college, at least at some level. Higher higher education is is important, and I mean, I, I think I, I would agree with that. I think some structured higher education is uh, is important, um, unless, unless you're a disciplined learner on mm. your own. I mean, I think some people are structured in, in a different way. I think, but I think for the, the most pe- most people, if you're not if you're not enrolled in something that forces you to continue to think. <laughs> they, you 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 might stop thinking. Uh, yeah. So, but I, again, I, again, it depends on it depends I'm on the pretty, child, of course. I'm so, skeptical. The reason I am, I'm pretty skeptical on college in general, which probably mm-hmm. probably isn't something. <laughs> Why too? But you just talked about. I, I think Mike thing is if you're gonna go to school, you better have darn good reason to do it. Yeah, sure. Agree. You I don't agree. just go to punt responsibility, and that's happened. No. A Ton through the generations, yes, right? Sure. Party for four more years before I assume adult responsibilities. It's a lot yeah, to, yeah I, I would say you know, and, and I even think in my case, because uh, I, I I was blessed with scholarships, so I didn't even really have to think about it because I wasn't paying for it. I didn't take my undergrad nearly ser- seriously enough, in part because I think I was just immature for it. And uh, it wasn't until I actually started paying my own, my own <laughs> bills in, in other forms of education that progressed over the years that it was like, whoa, okay, I'm going to take this real seriously. I think um, I, I go back to the, the, to the trades and, and various other vocations. There are so many options for, for young people to, to consider. Um, mm-hmm. My word, you can learn to be, you can go to cooking school and do exceptionally. I mean, there's just so many different things. And, um, and I think, I think that's, what's kind of interesting about the time in which we live is if, if you, if there's certain things that you're equipped for, that you like to do, that you appear to have some God given gifting in, um, then, then you, you don't necessarily have to go spend a bunch of money on something or borrow money mm-hmm. on something because you haven't figured it out yet. Sure. Especially today for multiple reasons. One of those reasons being the universities are not the guardians of knowledge that they used to be. Right? Yeah. It used to be, if I want to know about the thing, well, there's four books about the thing on the continent and they're all in different universities, <laughs> right? Yeah. And and now it's click, click, there you are. Yeah, that's right? right. So that's the first reason. The second reason is, the product of colleges, meaning the students, have been, in many cases, such a colossal failure mm. that college education does not any longer lead to a, a corporate expectation for what product you're getting when you hire. Yeah. And so if you have Definitely an established not. reputation of, I show up and I work hard and I learn well and I can play with others, uh, that I think quickly is going to be much better on your resume I, I don't think it'll be an overstatement to say at some point you can walk in with three glowing reviews from management at a fast, you know, three fast food chains <laughs> and put that up toe to toe with a mid-level college, not an elite, but a mid-level college degree. And a lot of managers are going to say, this guy over here is the safer bet because <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. we know he can actually work. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I, th- I do think that that, that's a pendulum that is quickly swinging the other direction. And that's, that's kind of a, an exciting slash interesting opportunity. I would love to see 
uh, as a direction, perhaps, that we begin to take. Uh, every time I've traveled over uh, to Switzerland in particular to see Izumi's family, I love, I really am taken with their apprenticeship system. Oh, yes. The way that they'll, they'll grab a high schooler right after graduation, about, about that age, who says, I'm interested in this in industry. And they say, okay, come start doing it. Do it right now. And then we will help to train you. And we'll help uh, foot the bill. You're not going to make a lot of money for your first few years, but you are earning some money. And then we're footing the bill for your education mm. to do this task. And the amount of responsibility that they, they immediately walk into right, mm. is really, really cool. And and watching even just, uh, I was looking over the shoulder of, of my brother-in-law over there. And what are you working on as he's manipulating some 3D box on his screen and doing this and that? And he's like... Um, and I, yeah, I, I probably can't say very many details, but he's designing and building satellites for other countries, <laughs> <laughs> right? Hmm. Um, cool stuff. Yeah. Did he go to an Ivy League university to do that? No, no. He went into an apprenticeship with a company that did some 3D modeling for some water towers and things like that. And then from there, he got the training he needed. And now he's in a different company and he's building satellites. Mm -hmm. And then he was talking about some of the career changes that, that may come down the road as he continues to move up from there. And because he's a hard worker and learns well and has been building uh, a resume of actual work his, and since, he, since he left high school, he's in a position now as a quite a young man who's they just had their first kid. He's just been married uh, just a few years ago. Uh, he's in a position that's just light years ahead of where many of his comparable peers would be in the States. And I love that notion, which is let's let's not make college be what my one of my college professors called coupon clipping, right? Hmm. You you go to an elementary school to get the coupon to get into high school to get the coupon to get into college to get the coupon to turn in for a job to make money. Uh, but the idea is no, let's let's prepare our students for life to such a degree that we can actually begin to put adult responsibilities on their shoulders as soon as they get out of high school. And then let's equip them for what they, they are enjoying doing. Uh, that, that model sounds a lot more like discipleship. <laughs> well, know? I was going to say, my, my interest in apprenticeship has everything to do with spiritual um, nurturing and mentoring. Sure. By the way, you know who has the oldest ongoing apprenticeship style program like you described? I don't. The U.S. military. Interesting. That's what the academies are. <laughs> um, if you if you spend any time around these places, I mean, there is a I'm lot. I'm assuming of, that means in the states. In the states, yeah. <laughs> okay. uh, although I, there may be a military our, academies elsewhere. Yeah, uh, but the, like, but our country's too young to have the oldest anything. Well, but, the, but <laughs> even if you go overseas, um, the oldest universities in the world were not necessarily apprenticeships. But what, again, what true. I go back to, true, which true, is true. really interesting, I, I was talking to. Um, a young person over the some point in, in the last five, 10 years. And they were, they actually had specific questions about the military academies. And I knew I'd spent some, spent some time of uh, familiarizing myself with those systems and um, their big fear cracked me up. They said, yeah, yeah. But even if I could get in, cause I think the acceptance rate is 12%. Okay. Um, even if I could get in, I'd have to work for them for like seven years to pay it back. I said, so you're guaranteed a job when you get out in something that they'd been training you for during your period during, and it's not all classroom. A lot of it is your, your summer internships are 
like you're put on a, a destroyer <laughs> or, or, or put on a base in Germany or something to do yeah. stuff. Like it, it is such a hands-on apprenticeship style because that, the whole point that they're doing in these academies is they are prepping you for real work. And yeah. uh, anyway, I said, so you're guaranteed a job. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I could do better. Good luck. Uh, so, but anyway, right. I, to your point about practicality, yeah. and I love my favorite segue is, is where you, it's spiritual mentorship. Very similar. Uh, there's a book learnings part of this. Of course, mm -hmm. God's word needs to be taught and understood, but for the purpose of application. Right. And um, I just, I think that's really interesting. I'm curious, uh, by the way, speaking of um, wisdom in, in selecting um, career path, because at some point we live in a world where that is essential. You have to find a way to, to make income, to live on your own at some point in this, this world we live in. The, um, I wanted to get you guys thoughts on this. I, I was sharing a little bit earlier. So one of my, one of my personal favorite topics is geopolitics, mm -hmm. which is not really about politics. I think politics is super boring in and of itself. <laughs> um, but this, this, this study of the world, this view of the world, that your geography of certain countries is what drives all the politics. So, um, if I may, I'll share a little bit with uh, one of my favorite analysts. Set the stage. Yes. One of my favorite analysts over the years is um, a guy named Peter Zian. And he uh, used to run the one of the analyst departments at a company called Stratfor. And the Stratfor sells business intelligence. And, all, and it's not like they have spies. All they do is collect data and analyze data and provide analysis about what's likely to happen in certain areas. Just like the CIA. Similar. Yeah. Except less exciting. <laughs> and, uh, uh, one, what this guy has a view of, which I think is really interesting mm -hmm. is he, he believes that in terms of the, the human beings that we have reached our apex, not in terms of intelligence or anything like that, but in terms of globalized society. And he thinks that we actually, let me just clarify what you mean by that. So does he equate that to the highest level of global standard of living or just the highest level of global interconnectedness? Both. Both. He, okay. He, he, uh, I think if he were here, mm -hmm. he would argue you can't have this standard of living without the global connectedness. Okay. So we are going to disconnect globally mm -hmm. and inevitably then standard, standard of living for all peoples is going to go down. Down. Some dramatically more than others. <laughs> okay. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Um, his view is that um, demographics of the world, so the age, ages of countries, um, at one, in many, in healthy societies, it's kind of like a, a pyramid. If you can visualize a pyramid, the bulk of your population is down at the foundation of it. That's your young people emerging. The mm -hmm. bulk of your spending population, mature adults, is kind of in the middle. And then your elderly population is at the top. What's happened in this mm -hmm. last generation, amazing how much this has happened, how much has yeah. happened in a single generation is the pyramid has actually turned into kind of a skyscraper shape. It's very equal. And what's happened in countries like Japan and others, <laughs> right. the pyramid has completely flipped. And so you have uh, what's what you have is the people that are buying things, consumers, mm -hmm. is, that number is dwindling right. in the modern world. Um, and this is, and that is the foundation of a globalized economy. It's all about consumption. If you think about that, like every time you hear an economic report from bureaucrat of some kind, they're always talking about consumer spending, right? Mm -hmm. That is how they measure the health of an economy. 
in a globalized world? How much yeah. are people spending on stuff? You can talk about supply side economics all you want, but no demand, no economics. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so. As is proven out, you know, all kinds of industries. People have a great idea. Actually, a good example of that is the uh, uh, China's trillion dollar investment mm-hmm. in high speed rail systems across their country. If you look at the maps of their high speed rail, it's incredible. If you look at the trains, mm-hmm. it's amazing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even think we have and the one, bridges. I, I just can't get over their bridges. Unbelievable. <laughs> but no one can afford, very few people can afford to ride those trains. So it's actually going into bankruptcy. It's like a trillion dollar bubble that's going to burst. I think they would have learned from the Bay Area. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even, do we even have one high speed rail, like actual high speed train in the United States? I don't, I don't even know of one. I'm not it's sure. There. When you get, come on, Elon, with your boring company, let's get on it. Yes. <laughs> so, go out to your Hyperloop. So what happens, according to Mr. Zian, is that as consumer demand goes down, because the demographics have deemed it so, you have a world that starts to shrink. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe a better way of putting it is the world gets big again. You know, mm-hmm. the world feels super right. small, ultra connected, can be anywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, there's a, you know, high tide somewhere in China that floods a factory and all of a sudden we can't get a, a new cell phone in America, right? Mm-hmm. right. That's because the world has shrunk. He, in a way, he's mm. saying the world will expand again and, uh, and countries mm. will be forced to go kind of shrink back to, we need to build more of what we consume. Mm-hmm. He says, uh, uh, alliances are already forming. Interesting. Um, there's yep. an American strategic alliance that, um, that basically America is not looking around to say, boy, who can we tag along with? Countries like Canada, Mexico, Japan are saying, hey, let's tag along with those guys. <laughs> um, he, he forecasts. Uh, that uh, American standard of life, it will be a speed bump. Uh, but he forecasts in developing countries that really weren't player, global players at all until globalization allowed them to play mm-hmm. in the last 30 years, significant reset on standard of living. I think so. So, um, especially I, I think because what, you know, what, what do they contribute to the global playground? Largely what they contribute is cheap labor. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And as and as these countries emerge, what happens to cheap labor? Mm-hmm. It gets more expensive, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. Exactly. Because their standards of living are going up. Right. Um, and once they get yeah. disconnected, once globalization begins to break down, then then that's just, that's an asset that's not accessible. Yeah. And your country has nothing else to fall back on. There's an oversimplification. It's, it is an oversimplification, but I think it carries some truth to it that globalization. And by the way, what do we mean by globalization? Mm-hmm. What we're talking about is that mines in Chile mm-hmm. ship their stuff to China where they take all those raw materials and they make them into a battery. And then the battery gets shipped to Sweden where they mm-hmm. add on a plastic cover. And then that gets shipped to Everett, Washington, where it gets plugged into a 747 that's not, a, we don't make 747s anymore, a triple seven that's not actually built in Everett anymore. Just that part of it's assembled. It gets put on a train. They assemble it in Tennessee. And yeah. like all that to make a plane that we fly on, right? So, oh, and here's a here's a part that just that is cool. But here's the thing that I still marvel at every time I go into a particular business in our in our town, and that is that you can have that mine in Chile or in Africa that, that sends raw materials. Uh, you can get fabric from from Indonesia or China, and then that goes to a, a factory in China where they do the injection molding and they put it together with metal parts and, and electronics and, and fabrics and, and all of these things. And that can get on a tanker and go, you know, a big old ship and come all the way across an ocean and go to America and go through customs and then get onto a, a truck. And then it can go all the way over to Spokane, Washington and hang on a, a shelf in a store for a dollar. <laughs> right. right. The dollar store Incredible. to me is like the yeah. pinnacle 
symbol <laughs> of globalization. Anyone, yeah. How did anybody make money right. on yeah. any of that? It's exactly. like if they made that in the back room, <laughs> I could understand that. But the fact that this is the planet that has found its way to this <clears throat> store and it can hang on the shelf for a dollar, for a dollar. is just mind-blowing to me still. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. The uh, so that that's globalization, right? That's now there is a, for a dollar twenty five. That's right. We <laughs> yeah, did, it's we gone did, up. It did just it has, inflate. Yeah. That's yeah. right. There is a. I was going to say there's an oversimplified <clears throat> statement, but I think it carries some weight to it, and it is that globalization is taking money from the poorest people in the developed nations and giving it to the richest people in the emerging nations. Um, that from is, from the standpoint of labor, yes, right. If yeah. you understand that 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 the money represents. I mean, one, one, thing, one of the things that Mark Scott right, okay, and I'm not going to say this very often. <laughs> it is the only thing. But <laughs> one of the things that I think Mark Scott right is that one way to look at money is as a way of measuring a man's life, right? That it, you, your labor, your investment, your time, your energy, how you expend yourself, one way to count that is the monetary value of it. And so if you take all of a man's money, you've also stolen all those hours or years of his labor. That's right. And, and so that, that's, you know, where he then makes his conclusion then that, that capitalism is slavery and, but, and that that's the only problem with the world. Um, and that's where we start to disagree pretty radically on his premises. But I think what you're saying then is to take the, the, the wealth of these nations and give it to the rich, um, what is that wealth? It's it's the hours of low cost labor spent in those factories. Right. <laughs> so it's years of people's lives. The uh, so you know why do I get in all this? Well, first of all, it's fun. <laughs> um, it's fun to see how to to observe and and see patterns and track currents and undercurrents that that influence the decisions of nations. The other reason I think it's interesting is. If you think about most of what our news, if you, if you even watch news or you browse to news sites, most of it is never about any of this stuff that actually matters. Most mm-hmm. of it's about, oh my goodness, who knows? You know, it could be about some dumb thing that the president said and everyone's reacting to it. I mean, you think about news or, or you know, have we seen what was on the warrant for the Mar-a-Lago raid yet? And it's kind of like, <laughs> that stuff is such soap opera. In terms of its in terms of its content, it is just pure days of our lives soap opera. The future of the world no depends on what kind of paper that was printed on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, is it is it is it moderately interesting that that the FBI agent that stole the Hunter Biden laptop is is out? Did he quit? It's moderately interesting, but it has no bearing on our futures, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and it, or it has very little bearing on our futures. What does have a bearing on our futures and on the futures of mm-hmm. our kids is what's the world doing? How's the world mm-hmm. shifting? How are th- what things are happening? Um, the uh, the Chinese economy, I dare say, is going is not going to survive the next. Well, I was mm-hmm. I was making bold declarations earlier. <laughs> I'll make another one. Ooh, I, okay, I, write it down. I. <laughs> Porch prophecy. Hard to imagine the CCP still being in power through 2035. There you go. 2035. I think the revolution, there's, that is a country. That's a short horizon. All Mm. this stuff about unified China, most of it is fiction. Most of it is kind of fancy. It's not even real. I mean, there's the, the, if you look at the maps of China as as a whole, in some cases, those maps didn't even exist for a few years. Like it broke apart, right? In terms of the, the empire. Mm -hmm. The, um, 
But but more to the point, the the economic turmoil that is taking place over there, the falsified GDP numbers, the the corruption, mm-hmm. the overloaning into certain industries, their their real estate industry is already crumbling, and in some cases imploding. Quite literally, they're blowing up buildings they built because no one can afford to live in them. Um, they have other massive national loans that have been made. The Silk Road investment globally caught. They, uh, it is such a black hole of debt over there uh, in terms of their national bank, their national banking, because the CCP, the Communist Party, owns everything over there, or at least owns a portion of everything. Certainly controls everything. The these things matter, right? Because it it, it influences, perhaps in some way, what you might have thought mm-hmm. was a good, viable way to trade your labor for a good job, good income in a certain part of the world might even influence what language you decide to go learn. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the other thing is the, the under, according to Mr. Zian, going back to the, the analyst, it's kind of seeing 2019 as being the, the, the absolute tip. And now we go back backwards. Mm-hmm. The world gets big again, gets, gets larger again, gets um, kind of tribal in a way, continents mm-hmm. uh, self-sufficient. He says that the countries with navies, see my theme going all the way back to the rolls at Texas Roadhouse. <laughs> the countries with navies always win. And if you think back about empire, why was a tiny island nation in Europe able to dominate right. the world? Navy and technology. Uh, why was a tiny country that's just a subset of the uh, of the Iberian Peninsula, mm-hmm. Portugal, able to dominate the world? Navy. Uh, and not just uh, shallow navies uh, like the Chinese Navy, by the way, right. blue water, deep water navies. Um, th- so I just think it's interesting. And, and do these things, you know, is do do our teenagers need to be studying these these kinds of dynamics? No, um, but it does matter. And it matters a heck of a lot more than than whatever YouTube influencer has has decided to quit their channel. <laughs> True. Where I do think it's valuable to look at is I think it illustrates the value of proverbs. Uh, I think in the long term, the geography uh, matters a lot in terms of place. But I think for the fate of a people, I think uh, I think for the fate of a people, you know, wisdom is always going to dictate their their fate. Because you can look at people who live wisely in difficult places. Um, and those people will often do well. It may be hard. They may not have the meteoric rise, but they're very durable. And then you can look at uh, people who have been very foolish in very good places uh, and other other people will displace them <laughs> and take their place. So I think that North America as a place uh, will will almost indefinitely be valuable at some level. There's just too mm-hmm. many advantages to this place. Uh, China as a place, uh, has, has some significance, uh, in some ways that, you know, it has some resources that are very valuable in the world, uh, today in particular, until we decide we don't need rare earth minerals as much. (laughs) Um, but, uh, even China doesn't have the the geographical blessing of a place like America by by far. That's why they had to build a thousand mile wall to keep out some guys on horses. I mean, it was crazy. Uh, Poland is never going to be the seat of a superpower <laughs> unless Unlucky it's a massive superpower that they end up being somehow like sure. the, the Northern Plains of, mm. uh, but they're never going to emerge as a superpower because no, they, they can't, they can't prevent anybody who wants to stop them. 
right? Geographically. Mm-hmm. Think, mm-hmm. think about, I mean, this is just so interesting. <laughs> I, I love this, this view and I, I, I didn't originate with me by any means. I stumbled upon it probably 15 years <laughs> ago, but this view that, and it just makes so much sense too. That's probably why it's so appealing that geography defines economic engines. <laughs> geography mm-hmm. defines where people live and move because they follow the ec- the economics. If you think about the where the the railway, where the railway railroads are a major conduit of commerce and trade. That's basically mm-hmm. what they exist for. And you think about the places around the country that grew into big cities, where ports were. It's where rail depots were. Decisions were made based upon what's the 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 path. How do I get through this mountain range? Let's yeah. put some scouts out there and go find the pass. Hmm. That's where we'll build the train through. We might have to dynamite some things mm-hmm. along the way and drill drill big tunnels through mountains. Right. Talk about um, Swiss Alps. There's some yes. amazing engineering <laughs> oh, there. Man. And those uh, those mountains are Swiss cheese. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Anybody who ever invades Switzerland is going to just dream of going back to Afghanistan. <laughs> <laughs> there is so, uh, but, but it goes back to geography and, yeah. and in this, one of the reasons that, that North America and God has blessed us to live here. One of the reasons that North America is, is in many, has such an advantage in terms of economic, uh, economic boom or being mm-hmm. able to prosper is because of all the waterways. It's like 25% yeah. of the world's freshwater ways exist in this, in, in North America. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, it reminds me in Revelation of one of the judgments, but we'll get into that another time. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. Some yep. theories about the twenty-five percent yeah. of the world's water. Well, uh, <laughs> one of the challenges we have is is our size. I mean, in the sense that you know, just thinking about production and stuff. When when with furniture, mm-hmm. um, there are there's you can we can produce furniture for the same price almost as they can produce in China, in factories in. The uh, like in in the really in the northeast and in that area mm-hmm. and they, even the south, but it's all east coast, right? And and they they can produce it at a reasonable price. The problem is we can't ship it for a reasonable price to Washington. Interesting. It is far cheaper to buy it in China and ship it across the ocean because the ocean costs. I think it's twenty to travel to ship something by water is twenty percent of what it would cost to ship by land. Yeah, and so, so that's that's, that's cheaper, right? That, that is cheaper. cheaper. Oh, yeah. It's cheaper. Yeah. Isn't that incredible? And that so that's, explains that's, why globalization took off in a way, because you can be loading up things on ships and schlepping them all around the world and, and still come out better yeah, you can, than so you, trucking it. You can build a sofa in in mm-hmm. wherever. In, What's that town in North Carolina where oh, all the furniture well, High Point, High Point, North Carolina. Yeah. Um, but in that area, right, you can you can build you can build a, a sofa in, in uh, whatever, Georgia or whatever, wherever mm-hmm. it is, for $300. The problem is it's going to cost you three or $400 to get it to Washington. Yes. You know, and so getting it here may, is almost... Almost double the the value, and then if somebody's going to try and sell it, makes it hard to sell. When you can get the same three hundred dollars sofa over there, built over there, not the same, but you need similar. to bring back dirigibles. And then uh, there we go. Maybe some there's guys some. Are I've, that, I've seen that tankers of the sky. Yeah, is it very uh, cheap? Slow, it but who cares? Mm-hmm. There we go. So yeah. anyway, but uh, yeah. I think that's that is that is one of our biggest challenges. I think as far as our our country, but yeah, I, I agree that you know we are we're unique in that we have. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of land, a lot of resources. Yep. There's a lot of things we can do here that they can't do other places. And if we needed to, we'd figure it out, right? Uh, yeah. As long yeah. as we have the moral fiber to to do 
what, what an honorable people would do. And I think that's one of the lessons I'd want my children to see is watching the world work is you, you cannot do business like China's doing it. You cannot run your country the way China's doing it and survive long. Mm -hmm. Uh, the two things that may mitigate your immediate downfall is, um, location, right? If you have just the raw resources and opportunities that can stave off collapse for a while and the providences of God, right? God can choose, um, he can raise up a Babylon and make them extra juiced up because he's using them as an instrument of judgment for a season. But inevitably Proverbs is eventually going to kick back around. And and so if you, if you look at uh, a nation and say, Hmm, it is being run by the principles that the Bible says, a don't work and B God hates and is opposed to like pride. Mm-hmm. Um, then it is inevitably going to fall apart. That land may still be valuable and the resources may still be valuable, but those people will, will suffer um, a, a catastrophic fall. And what's humbling about that is you can look at a place like China, you can look at a place like Russia and you can watch corruption and things work their way out and say, wow. So that's what happens when you, when you run your country that way. And then you look in a mirror and you realize America in many ways, uh, I think is skating by on, on the excess capital of generations that came before us that lived wiser than we did. In some cases, we're skating by on the, the, the geographical geopolitical advantages we have. The fact that, um, there are, there is an ocean on both sides of us that separates us from the real messes. Yeah. Uh, and we can reach them when we want to, because we have the best Navy and we've got our, our international shipping industries, but we can also just leave them alone. We don't want to deal with them. And that's something that, you know, Europe doesn't have that option, for example, uh, that that's helping, I think there may just be some grace of God on, on our nation, uh, perhaps even in, in a similar way to uh, thinking of the story of when the, the angels visited Abraham and, you know, and yes. would you destroy that nation if there are only this many, if there are only this many. And so there may also just be some, <laughs> some undeserved grace of God on, on the fact that he does still have his people here. But in so many ways, our nation is just begging God to allow us to succumb to our own foolishness. And we, we ought to, as a nation, um, there are things about America that are exceptional as in an, an exception to the rule, uh, the, the nature of our land and our position geopolitically, the nature of our formation and, and the ideology behind that, the nature of our government, the nature of our history and its involvement in international affairs. There are some things that, that are unusual, exceptional about America but today, if you want to talk about American exceptionalism, you, you can't get around the fact that we are also exceptionally foolish. Uh, it was sobering to me to be in, in uh, places like Switzerland and Germany uh, just a couple of weeks ago and listening to them talk about, uh, you know, we tend to think of Europe as a lot more liberal and a lot more, you know, progressive than we are. And to hear them talk about just how flabbergasted they are at the foolishness that are, that is coming out of our country mm-hmm. on almost every front. Um, that, that should be a very humbling thing. And so for our children to say, look around the world, see the parables that are playing out around you and realize you're about to be the next parable. Uh, and so make sure that the way you're walking is not imbibing the spirit of this age to use a phrase that Paul liked to use. Uh, um, it is not according to the wisdom of this world, 
because that that is the path to ruin always. Go, going back to an old childhood song, <laughs> Dare to Be a Daniel. Did you guys sing that one growing up? Dare to I be know a it, Daniel, but I didn't sing it growing up. Stand alone. Uh, Daniel, uh, and he just comes to mind so many times. What an interesting uh, character. Especially someone, you know, any of us that are, you know, out working in the secular world, that was Daniel's yeah. world. Um, he across three empires. And, <laughs> yes. So, and what, what strike is, I think is right now, wild. a lot of, a lot of, a lot of American Christians and I'm a patriot, no doubt, but, but I think we which get, means what, um, I, I'm loyal. I have a, I have an affection <laughs> for the country that God placed me in affection mm-hmm. for our history, what we, what we used to stand for. And in many ways still do, um, uh, and a loyalty um, to, to my, to my country. I definitely have that. Um, I'm assuming Daniel grew up the same way, but when God carried him away from home, Mm -hmm. um, in bondage, carried him off along with the rest of his, uh, the cream of that society to Babylon, uh, you didn't find him trying to stage some kind of political revolt. Nope. You didn't find him, um, Clamoring to go home, although God called some of the other mm-hmm. Israelites to do just that. Mm-hmm. You found him being an amazing for such a young guy when he was carried away. But you mm-hmm. found him a mature guy that sought the Lord, that sought God's wisdom, that obviously worked hard. And this would be my... my yeah. When I say dare to be a Daniel, it's not just dare to go to the lion's den. I, I'd say for our mm-hmm. young people, look at who Dan, what Daniel was about when he was young. Um. Everything he did later on was just a, an outgrowth of faithfulness to God. But when you look at him, what did he do? He he oh, he relied on the Lord. He gave God credit. He trusted in the Lord. He did what was right, even if he thought it would cost him his life. Um, mm-hmm. He obviously worked hard. He was honest, trustworthy, because these secular governments entrusted him with so much. Which is crazy. You always, whenever there's an, a turnover of... Of empire, you, you, kill, always, all you kill all the old guys because that—I mean—that's like the oldest thing in the book—is you don't leave yeah. potential backstabbers behind, especially ones that might be bearing a grudge for having been stolen as a child. I, I, I again, Daniel's one of my heroes, <laughs> and in part because not because there aren't other wonderful mm-hmm. heroes in God's word, there are so many. Yeah. Jesus being the ultimate hero, um, but one of the, I guess I can kind of relate to Daniel in, in a very limited way in that this was a guy that had to go to work every day. And not that mm-hmm. everyone doesn't go, but he had to like go to an office yeah, <laughs> at the palace Monday through Friday or whatever his schedule was. Um, but talk about legacy. Yeah. Um, not just a legacy in scripture, but a legacy that hundreds centuries later, the Magi would come looking for the, for the, the promised King. And where did they learn that from? Probably from Daniel, or at least from that, the captivity in Babylon. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So I just, I, when it comes to our young people, I'd say, um, whatever it is that you choose to do, do it for the glory of God. Be honest, be reliable. It's possible to have fun and be trustworthy. Uh, I got a call recently from somebody and they're asking, I was not listed as a reference, but someone had applied, uh, to work for this big company and mm. just through their due diligence, they, they knew that I had had some experience with the individual and they called and, and of course, legally, you can't. You you have to be somewhat cautious with what you say um, because uh, you you don't want to run someone down. But I just I just confirmed that so and so had worked 
uh, at such and such a place for such and such a period of time, which is in, in our world, that's the code <laughs> word for they stunk. Um, if that's all you confirm. So, um, uh, it, individual followed up later in a much more personal manner, just said, what was, you know, we, we chose to pass what was going on there. And I said, that person is unreliable and dishonest. They said, well, what about all the tech? I said, technically excellent, but they're unreliable and dishonest. And I would take somebody that has half the IQ, mm -hmm. but they're reliable and honest. And so for our kids out there, if God's gifted you with a strong IQ, he's given you a big brain, mm -hmm. scholastically inclined, go for it. Um, you're gifted in the arts, go for it. Gifted in whatever it is he's giving mm -hmm. you, go for it. But strive for character, uh, strive yep. for honesty, strive for hard work. Um, mm -hmm. That is going to be the first, the first, when you walk into a room and Christ is shining out from you, um, the first part of your testimony are those things. Like mm -hmm. people are like, wow, there's something mm -hmm. different about that guy. He's got a strange energy. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> because he shows up on time and he does good work and he's pleasant to work yeah. with or she is. Mm -hmm. So I would say um, as you pursue, as you think with the brain God's given you about what are the things that God wants me to be involved in, you know, you never know where he's going to carry you. Daniel had no idea, probably very little idea he'd be carried off into captivity. Certainly no idea he'd survive multiple empire uh, changes. Right. But I just think again, he's just for, for those, at, you know, for, I think sometimes guys in the pews like me, average people like me, uh, we're like, uh, you know, I, I can't relate to Paul. You know, I don't know what that, what it's like to be a Paul, but sometimes it's like, but I do know what it's like to be a Nehemiah going to work every day, building something mm -hmm. that is important. I do know what it's like to be Daniel going to work every day and people relying on recommendations. Joseph, uh, household manager. Wow. <laughs> these guys, they're kind of, they're kind of, I'd love to, I can't wait to meet these guys. And what, what I think is going to be phenomenal, of course, we'll all be glorified. So it'll be tough to say, but I, I bet, I bet on some level, these are average guys. <laughs> I'd like to think they are anyway. And that's, that's hopeful because it points to what God does through, through people that are just willing to, mm. to follow the book, right. To do it his way. And, and that's, that is a, a principle that I think we need to inculcate in our children because there's such a tendency in this world, whether it's to latch on to something like uh, geopolitics, whether it's to latch on to IQ, whether it's to latch on to where you went to college, whether it's to latch on to your social networking connections and your resume. And and all of those are factors that, that play into how the world plays out. That's, that's undeniable. But the factor that is determinative in the fate of the Sparrow <laughs> and mm. the USSR <laughs> and the United States of America is the will of God and, and he, what he causes to come to pass. And he is a God who loves, it says, to shame the wise with the foolish. And, and we have the opportunity to be that <laughs> sometimes. And, mm. and that's, that's wonderful. When God was looking at uh, the world, he didn't use geopolitical calculations to choose Israel as the place where he would make his glory to dwell if his purpose was to find a place that could be the seat of a superpower. Right, he picked a just about completely indefensible little strip of land. Curious that, why did he pick Zion? Because it's perfect for <laughs> it's perfect for getting your a message out. Right, that's and and it is amazing how many of the leading empires on the earth God shattered mm. with that tiny little strip of land when they became proud, mm -hmm. and He humbled them with this little nothing of a place uh, called Israel, <laughs> and and that. That bodes well for God's people to to remember that if I'm being faithful with where God's put me, um, 
if there's opportunities with with wisdom and with opportunity to take advantage of some of the things in this world, you know, even Jesus said, hey, the sons of this, this world are more shrewd than the sons of the kingdom sometimes. There's nothing wrong with being shrewd. There's nothing wrong with being wise, but those don't actually determine the outcome of things. If you walk wisely before God, he will exalt you. Uh, if you see a worker who's good at what he does, he will stand before kings, right? The cream will rise to the top. And that that is what we want to hitch our kids' wagons to. And so teach them about geopolitics. Teach them to look at foreign nations. Look at, you know, just, yes, that's, we want to get knowledge and we want to have that knowledge turn into wisdom. But live God's, live in God's world, God's way. And, and he will, he will actually be, uh, more than capable of taking care of his people. <laughs> well, now you got to the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. Um, how wonderful is that too? Yeah. That uh, he takes care of the care and feeding, just being faithful, faithful to him. Yeah. Well, what are we, man? You know, every time- we hit two I, out of three. Two, you know, what was the third one? <laughs> the third one was going to be the three body problem. Oh, oh we can get turned into the three problem. city problem, but that might be a fun one to hit. Next time. I have a, a growing body problem. I need to <laughs> yeah. some COVID weight. Won't, won't lose itself. <laughs> yeah, the one body problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. yes. uh, well, guys, it's been fun. I enjoyed hanging out. Um, Caleb, I, I, we have, we've pushed the limits. I know you get up at like 2 a.m., so you've yeah. been up a while here. No, no. I've been finally sleeping until uh, till like 6.30. No, I've been sleeping until 6.30. 6.30. I know. And, Sluggard. What uh, man. Well, I know. And, and next week, though, next week starts the the 430 regiment again, you know. So there you go. School starts up. The, all the schedules shift. Yeah. All the schedules yeah. shift and everything becomes, you know, yeah. Here we go. <sighs> On your mark, get set. Right. <laughs> we'll see. All the things yeah. start here, too. Yeah, we got a lot of stuff going on. So a lot of... Adult Sunday School, three service for us here at VBC. I heard about that oh. announcement. Oh. Uh, wow. That, yeah. Lots of Life things. groups kick off. Yeah. All the, all the stuff. So <laughs> everything gets busy again here <laughs> in the next couple of weeks. Go. Yeah. It'll be good. So. We'll be good. We will seek to live wisely. Yeah. There, <laughs> you know, there is actually something hmm. that's, that's almost more relaxing with with schedule think you know because you, you, you yeah you know where the margins are you can almost like Especially settle into westerners well yeah yeah <laughs> yes yes that's true well it's in in the way that in the mm -hmm. way that we structure life yeah there's it's almost a necessity that uh, when it when it doesn't exist makes things a little bit more of a challenge. The closer you get to the equator, the more untrue that is, is isn't it? There's something well, strange yeah. about the, having lived near there for mm. a number of years, there is something strange about the warmer it gets, the more mm -hmm. chill everybody gets. Yeah. <laughs> maybe yep. it's because, uh, maybe it's because if you, the food just grows, right? Um, yeah. Whereas up yep. here, if you don't plant at the right time, you're toast. Well, it's, it's, our, it's our culture too. It's the, the values that we place on different things is, is a lot different. The value placed on time versus the value. Yeah. I mean, for us, time is money in, in uh, you know, in other countries, time is valuable because it's about relationship or other things mm -hmm. like that, mm -hmm. you know. So that's true in Italy and other Latin cultures as well. So not just geographical, not just how close you get to the border, but there's some <laughs> some differences in, in the more Latin cultures, especially um, than there are in the more kind of, I don't know. Our our Western, yeah, maybe, maybe the, the the British Isles over this way. <laughs> I don't know something like that. But yeah. uh, the more seasonal it gets, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, perhaps. That's true. We like our lines. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, is that a good place to... Uh, yeah. And all right. You did our intro, so you get to outro us? <laughs> yes, indeed. Right, it is ahead. time to bring this in for a landing. It has been fun to uh, be back together with you gentlemen and to discuss these things. It, uh, it doesn't seem like we ever run out of things that are going on in our world. And that's kind of fun. Uh, God's uh, what God's doing, what God's telling is always interesting, and we appreciate those of you that that join us and and are willing to listen to these discussions. Uh, we would always love to hear from you. Want to encourage you to reach out to us if that's ever uh, possible. Uh, you have an idea, a question, a prompt, that'd be great. That also reminds me. I think I have a. I think there are some prompts that I was sent that we can start working through. Ooh. So yes, I, I've. I neglected to uh, consult oh, those. Yeah. Intrigued. So we've got, yes. So we'll have some opportunities. Um, but we, we do look forward to that chance to have it be a dialogue with more than just the three of us um, uh, by, by hearing input from you guys. And uh, with that, we will, we will bring this episode of Bombadil's Porch to a close. A reminder that it is ultimately the fear of the Lord that is the beginning of all true wisdom. And that is the reason why it will never be a kingdom of this world that can stand uh, forever, because we do not build them on that foundation. But we, like the saints of old, are looking for that city whose architect and builder is God and a place in which, as Peter wrote, righteousness will dwell. And that will be the kingdom that will have no end. But until we get to go there, let's live like we're citizens of there uh, for as long as God leaves us here. 